another episode of Talking Grassroots, episode two. I feel like we're on a roll, mate. We've actually managed to get two on a row done pretty quickly. I'm your host, Ricky Ettridge, uh, and with me is my co-host and my right-hand man at Halfback Digital Media, Ricky Logan. Welcome today, mate. Matt, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Good to get stuck into some more footy talk. Now, we're going to get straight into today, mate. We're not going to piss fight around because something that Every year I feel like this is a massive talking point in local footy. But for some reason, I just feel like this off-season, this talking, this could take a, this this topic could take this whole episode because I feel like this off-season, it's, it's reader's, head, reader's head again, which is fine. But it feels like it's just a bit more, bit more focus on it this year. And that's talking about the uh, salary caps and the points system in local footy. Yeah. I think it's it's getting pretty out of hand, isn't it? With, uh, some of the stuff that's going on, and there's been some um, compliance officers uh, appointed to try and work out what is going on with salary cap breaches and things, and there has been some clubs that are now going to get penalties dealt to them for salary cap breaches. Well, you speak of that, and I think it was Wangaratta last season actually had their... 2022 flag stripped off him for salary cap, or 2023 flag stripped off him for our salary cap breaches. Yeah, so they actually fined $28,000, lost four points, and couldn't earn premiership points from the first two rounds. So basically two losses in their first two games for the next season, which, yeah, you know, it's probably a fair penalty when you're, you know, cheating the salary cap to win games, uh, to win grand finals. But I think... More to the point is some of these salary caps are getting a bit out of hand. They're getting it's we're talking local football here, and you're talking about a salary cap of one hundred thirty thousand, hundred plus, not being enough money to pay players. That's that's crazy to me. All right, so you want to talk about salary caps? Now I've got here uh, the, the just country league to begin with, and we'll shift into metro shortly. When we shift into metropolitan, we'll also actually discuss. Uh, points like the salary cap increase. So these are the top six country leagues. So at number six is the Sunraiser League, who's and they're only in here because I don't quite understand how these caps work because they're one hundred five thousand to one hundred twenty six thousand for a season. So I'm not too sure how is that the bottom division one hundred four. Well, it's only one division, so I'm not, that's why I don't really quite understand how that works. Um, the Gippsland League out in Gippsland, 125,000. Uh, Bendigo, 125,000. A lot of money. Central Murray, again, uh, I'm not too sure how that works, 105 to 135,000. And then the Goldburn Valley League and the Ovens and Murray League are both 130,000, except for Corotha Rutherglen, who will get 155,000. Due to being in recess in 2023, and they play in the northeast border. Now that's a lot of money to be thrown around to be on the books. Yeah, so you let's say 18 round season, and I'm not counting finals here. I'm just saying 18 rounds. You're looking at what over six grand for most most teams. Yeah, you know, six grand. Divide that by 22 players. Six. Let's go. Let's go. Six thousand. Divide that over your twenty-two. That's two hundred and seventy-five. But you know, less 
$272 per player you could be paying. And some of these guys are getting well above that. And some of these guys are getting well below that. And oh, I'm sure there's a lot getting well below that. But 270 bucks to go play footy, man. But that's the issue. And, that, and this is where the discussion about clubs not staying within salary caps comes from is that is that $275, was it? $272, yeah. yeah. $272 a player, right? Yet, you'll be having bikes that are probably getting close to like 1 to 1.5 a game, and you've probably got a handful over 500 a game. So that's, even if you only give some players, you know, the bottom players $50 a game, that still doesn't quite add up to that amount of money. Yeah, there's definitely going to be some creative accounting going on. And, and you know, there was an article earlier last year, uh, this year, that's, you know, some of the creative ways teams are getting around the salary caps, which I think further just proves that the salary cap doesn't really work. No. Yeah, you hear the uh, the stories of um, signing on bonuses, which apparently don't, Count towards the salary cap, which is which is fair enough. I can sort of understand that, but that's sort of a way to get around it because you can say to a bike, "I'm going to give you a signing bonus, but you're going to cop it across a 22 week period," which that straight away becomes effectively a pay, player payment. And then you have stories of other clubs that will. Um, I just want to point this out: we don't know of any club that actually do this. We're not speaking from what. Something that we've been told from someone we know within the club. This is just stuff that you've hear speculated. This is stuff we read on Big Footy. Yeah, Big Footy, and no, <laughs> I can read stuff on Big Footy, but I reckon it'd be worse than that. But yeah, you, the stuff that you sort of read on, uh, like the, the the posts on the socials and stuff like that, and you've sort of got to take it with a little bit of grain of salt. Grain of salt, but you've also got to sort of look at it as this could be possible, because when you hear it more than three times, it's starting. It does start to become a little bit okay. Could be something here. The other thing that I've read clubs can do is they'll go out and get a sponsor. So, say, for example, you bring in a halfback digital measure sponsor, their sponsorship, say, 30 grand for the season, comes at 30K straight into the club as a sponsor, that 30K straight into the player's pocket for their player payments. And it just straight away, it's not a player payment because it's just a sponsorship, but it's just been shifted. And then you hear in the country, you know, uh, new cars. And I think a big one, Big one, which I don't think is an issue. Personally, I think it's it's probably good for the country. Is that you hear blokes that sort of play live metropolitan, might get recruited out the country clubs and get shifted out. They get put up in a house and get a job. And yes, that is sort of dodging the the play payment system in a way, but it's also helping out a local country community. So it's sort of it's a double edged sword that one. Yeah, well, it's one of those things like, you you know, you're talking about clubs like Yay and Broadford that are trying to, uh, you know, they're coming back from recess, going into recess. How do, how do they get young blokes into those areas? Well, if they've got a company that needs a few chippies or, a, you know, a couple of brickies or whatever that happens to be handy at football as well, well you, you, you're going to have to do those sorts of things to get the blokes into the areas because, let's be honest, uh, you know, 15, 16-year-old kid that's growing up in a country town then starts getting pretty decent at footy and wants to do, you know, potentially go to AFL or, or you know, have a, a football career, his parents look and go, well, 
I've got to get him down to a private school. I've got to get him down to the Geelong Footy Factory or, you know, all these types of places because they're not going to get recruited from Yay or Broadford or, you know, pick a team anywhere. These, you know, so people move out of the areas, out of country areas to more metropolitan things to get these kids into better schools and stuff to give them opportunities. And the other thing I find quite, I've always found weird is the country clubs that will have players that live three hours away that are just travel up for the game or you've even got flying players that will live yeah. in a state and clubs are paying for them to fly down. Like, I'm going to assume they're, like, you know, clubs are paying airfare. That's not going towards the uh, salary cap. But speaking of the top six country leagues, mate, these are the bottom six country leagues. and I found this quite quite strange and quite amazing how this works. So the Omeo District... Uh, has a lowest salary cap, which is 30000 and they're in Gippsland. But the Gippsland Football League in Gippsland have got the fifth highest salary cap in the country, in, in Victoria. Uh, second lowest is Upper Murray, which is 37500 a year. And again, that's northeast border is Ovens and Murray League. So the, top, the league with the highest salary cap in the same region has a league with the second lowest salary. Almost 100,000 difference in salary cap for those two things. And just, like, and on that, like, obviously, potentially, probably the, the towns that are there make sense, probably, why the caps are so low. You know, for example, maybe clubs in Upper Murray don't have as many businesses around to generate $130,000 in salary caps. But the issue with that is the club in Upper Murray did have that potential to raise... 130 for salary cap and try and you know play with the big boys in Upper Murray. Their hands are tied because of the salary cap. Yeah, it it um it sort of makes it hard for those teams to to grow, doesn't it? If they are sort of you know they got clubs that are bordering on other clubs that have got five you know four times the salary cap of them, um, it makes those it makes it harder for those teams to expand and and grow their player base. I'm, and I'm sure, not being fully across how these leagues do it being so far away, I'm sure that it's something where the clubs have voted on keeping caps uh, low enough. Then the Millowa District, 42,000. Ovens and King, again, in the northeast border, 55,000. Colac District in the Barwon, 60,000. And then East Gippsland, North Gippsland and Mid Gippsland, are all 64,000, and they're based in the Gippsland League. So a couple of the uh, Gippsland Leagues, well, four of Gippsland Leagues in the bottom six, yet one league in the top five. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a quite a, a big uh, difference between some of these leagues. And I think over the next couple of years, there's going to be a lot of work done between all the Vic Country and Vic Metro leagues in trying to get some parity between um, the leagues because obviously if you've got a club that's got a cap of 130, two towns over from a cap that's got a, a club that's got a cap of 30, how, how are they ever going to compete with each other? Um, and you can't recruit players without paying them to these areas, some of these areas. And that's that's tough. It's tough to raise thirty thousand, but it's even tougher to raise one hundred thirty thousand. Imagine being a bottom team 
in a league that's paying one hundred thirty thousand, and you can't even raise fifty. Yeah, how do those clubs compete? It it does make it difficult when you're trying to, you know, And as I think, you could you could have an absolute gun player from your local town, but if you can't pay him what a club, a million two towns over out that way could be two hours drive. But if you can't offer them as much what a town could, you know, an hour away, they're going to probably travel that hour to play because they're going to get a bit more cash. Yeah, and uh, reading a lot of the comments in the Herald Sun articles about this um, salary caps and you know, players' points is the, the thing that comes up a lot. Is yeah. And a lot of people say, stuff the salary caps, scrap them all together and just focus on getting the players' points rise. I, I don't agree with scrapping salary caps altogether because that could open a whole uh, Pandora's box there. But I think players' points is something that needs to be really assessed and looked at big time. Before we get into player points, I've got here how they all work. I am I understand the, the thought process behind scrap salary caps. They're pointless because... Let's be honest, in a, in a way they are. They can be pointless if clubs are good enough to dodge them. The issue is if you get rid of salary caps, you're going to have so many clubs fold under financial strain because they can just spend whatever they want. So instead of having to try to try and be like, okay, we've got to try and get this, keep this under wraps, keep this under wraps. If there's no salary cap and you've got someone comes in your club, you know, that, owns 25 businesses, a multi-millionaire who sits there and goes, all right, I'm going to build a dynasty here. I'm going to pay $300,000, $400,000 a year at local footy and win this club five premierships in a row. Great, does it? Brings in all these players. Your points, he keeps his points intact, wins five premierships in a row. After five years, he turns around and goes, ah, I'm done. See you later. Take my money with me. They've all of a sudden got to try and raise that money back up. All the clubs that don't have the money will overspend for that success. Don't get success. Money runs out. Clubs can't pay bills. Yeah, and that's that's a big problem with local sport, isn't it? Um, in our local area, something happened with a cricket team that was doing something very similar where a guy's come in with a lot of money and was bringing a lot of money into this club to bring in international players to come play cricket for them and all this. And it turned out he was money laundering. Yeah. Um, he was he was breaking the law to, to to make this money to bring this club just to be a you know big dick swinger at his cricket club, which is outrageous that um, some local cricket club is getting involved in like he's laundering money. But that could happen. Yeah. That could happen to other clubs because if 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 you're a president if you're on a committee of a club and someone came to you and said i can give you $200,000 mm. to spend on players you're not going to you, you, how are you going to say no to you're that you're going to ask two questions what do you want in return and when can we get it yeah that's two questions you're going to ask you're not going to because a lot of thing is a lot of clubs nowadays even no there's so much money being flung around in local footy a lot of clubs are still sort of break even clubs Oh, oh, definitely. There's you know some of the better clubs in Southern that are up there in D- Division One. They're not they're not ending the year in a you know hundred thousand surplus. You know they're they're managing their books to keep them going year in year out. 
having enough to recruit players. They might lose one high-paid player, so it gives them they then got to recruit somebody else. Um, but you also got to overpay players at certain points. If you're a lower club, you got to overpay players to attract them to your club. Yep. So and and that happens a lot. You get players that aren't worth the money that you're paying them. <laughs> you know, happens in AFL. There's guys that are on contracts that they're, you know, they're not worth that money. But because you're a bottom team, you're trying to recruit somebody who's looked as the next big star. But it didn't turn out that way. So, yeah, I think you you say that a lot. You say um, blokes sort of being like, oh, he's asked for this much money. And you sort of scratch your head and go, how how is he worth that much money? And it's, it's two things. It's the A, you said they try and demand a bit more than what they're probably worth because they're going to a lesser club, so they probably think they deserve more money. And the flip, or the flip side is they've got another club who's got that much money, who their bottom, you know, their bottom tier players, they play pay more than because of salary caps, their, their bottom tier players, they pay more than the lower club's highest paid players, so they can play them off against each other and they can make an extra $100 even though they're probably not even the top 15 players and what they would be playing another team, that they're the top three players. Yeah, and I think this is not a new problem. No. This is not something that just started happening in the last few years. It's been going on since the first time somebody got a brown paper bag and gave somebody some cash. There's been guns for hire for a long time and there's you know, there's names you can throw out of football players that you you won't even realise how many different clubs they've played for over their <coughs> journey because they're just... Year in, year out, they go to the next club that's going to pay them the same amount they'll get or more than what they were getting before. And they, you know, that obviously as years goes on, those guys aren't going to be worth as much, but the next club's going to pay it because he kicked 70 goals last year and we struggled to kick a goal this year. So we need someone like that. Do you think, so as I said, this has come up probably every year for the last five years, this sort of comes up. But it's really only been sort of maybe the last one or two seasons where it's been a bit more heavily written about. Do you think the fact that because of COVID, after the COVID season, a lot of salary caps were severely slashed? So a lot of caps, some caps are almost slashed in half or 40, 50, 60K of salary cap was taken off. Do you think that because a lot of clubs were were paying that much to begin with, they're now still trying to pay that much? even though the cap's maybe 40, 50 grand less, which is why maybe we're getting a bit more, these stories are getting a bit more traction. Yeah, I think so. I think that COVID definitely affected everything in, in a lot of different ways. I think also that you got got a lot of guys that during that COVID time weren't playing footy, were having to still, you know, make a living. So what were they doing on Saturdays? They were going to work. They were, you know, working on a Saturdays and then they get, oh, I can play footy again. But the last... Two years I've been making three, four hundred bucks a day working on a Saturday. I'm now not going to play footy for anything less. Yeah, you know, which that's created probably guys that would have played for free or or played for the love of the game or the love of the club. They've they've gone. Hold on, I I can't afford not to get paid on a Saturday. So if I'm going to play, I have to get paid, um, and it's got to be decent money. So we've gone through the country. So we'll go through the metro. And metro is actually fairly, um, fairly. So the top divisions in metro are all pretty much bang on. So Premier, Premier Division in Essendon District, 120. Premier or Division 1, 
in Northern, 120. Eastern Premier, 120. Southern Division 1, 120. And Western Division 1, 120. All up from 110 this past season. When you, when you get to sort of Div 2, Div 3, Div 4, it does sort of change a little bit. So, like, for example, Southern Div 2 is 88, where uh, Western Region Div 2 is 88. Uh, Essendon Div 1, which is their Div 2 is 100. Do you think because the fact that the Metro Leagues sort of police themselves and all sort of, especially we said it during COVID, where they made the decisions together, that may be why their salary caps are all level, or do you reckon it's just a pure fluke? No, I think it is uh, uh, something to do with the AFL Metro Leagues. I, I don't want to offend anyone, but they work together a bit nicer. Yep, they do try, you know, um, try to try to have some consistency across the leagues in a sense, so that they're not, you know, highly competing with each other. They're they're trying to work together to have some unity and some um, consistency across those leagues, so that there is. There's no reason for some other league to be, you know, six, way more successful than others and things like that. So um, it is, yeah, I think they do work together a lot more. I think the country leagues, being how spread out and how wide of areas they cover, they probably, they're a lot more on their own and they don't want to work with the other leagues as well as much as the Metro leagues have to try and work together. So the only club... Our league, sorry, that is uh, top top division that isn't 110, 120, sorry, is the Riddle, and that's uh, 105. But that's actually, 20, they're going to have a $20,000 jump up from what they had in 2023. But that just sort of feels to me that being the fact that Riddle's not divisional football, it's just a sort of one division, that's maybe the only reason why that's a bit lower than the other top divisions. But, yeah, when you sort of get into, you know, the bottom divisions, like, for example, okay, Essendon, uh, sorry, Eastern Division 4, 60K. Uh, like, that's a lot of money for Division Division 5, effectively. Southern Div 4 is 30. Now, we were involved Southern, and Division 4, uh, Division 3 is 40. But this is where the jump is, right? From Division 3 in Southern to Division 2 in Southern – a forty-eight thousand dollars salary cap jump. Yeah. So if you're, and I think that's a big reason we see clubs go up and down in divisional football because if you're, say you're a division three club, right? You got forty k to work with. You pretty much max your cap, and by maxing your cap, you're maxing what your club can even afford to pay. Yep. Win a flag, brilliant. Probably going to get a little bit of extra income from sponsors potentially. How do you compete with? You're then going to try and find double what you have for the original season, where clubs that have probably been in Division Two for ten years, trying to get that flag, are sort of spending around that. How do you compete? And this is where it comes into what we talked about before about how some blokes can demand so much money because a club can pay it when one club can't. Yeah, and that's, that's going to be the age old problem in, in local footy, isn't it? And I think. Uh, one of the biggest issues is not having juniors with a lot of these teams. And I think the more successful clubs in our 
local area with you know one of you could argue they've been one of the most successful local clubs in most areas and that's Cranbourne they've been very widely successful across their time in outer east then going into southern they you know first year in southern they win a flag but go down to Cam's Reserve or Casey Fields or Livingston now where they're based on any night of the week and you see how many kids they've got there playing footy and, and training. Um, so they've got great junior program that builds up. So there's probably a, a fair chunk of their players playing senior footy that have grew up playing for Cranbourne, don't even consider having to get paid to, to be loyal and stay at the club. On the, on the contrast, you could go out to, let's say, uh, Sandown. Haven't had juniors for a long time. The only way we could attract players to the club was to pay them. And you you offer them, you know, $100, $200 a game to come. They come for one year and they say, well, next year I want three, 400 And if you don't pay it, they go elsewhere. So they'll go to the next club that's going to pay them and then – and it just continues on, and you've, it's happening everywhere. You know, Sandown's the only we're involved. We were involved, so we know. But there's a lot of clubs within Southern that don't have juniors. A lot, and that's why they're trying to change. Um, and that's probably the biggest thing is if if you have juniors and you have guys that are going to play for your team and they're going to be one point players because they grew up playing for your club, you've got the advantage already. Um, then if and those teams that are have juniors and are successful, inevitably they're going to have more money yep. because they're successful, they're doing well, they've got people who want to support them, so they're going to have more money so that they then can pay some players to keep them or play, pay some high-profile guys to come across. Before we, We're going to get into the points now, but before we do, I just want to make this very, very clear. We're not knocking any, any salary cap the leagues have in place, any clubs that are lucky enough or have worked hard enough in their time to be able to pay the max salary cap because I'm sure the people running the clubs, running the leagues, have more of an idea of the day-to-day runnings of how it all works than what we do. So don't think that we're sitting here and we're bashing these clubs and these leagues about their salary cap and clubs cheating salary caps. We're not. It's just a story that's come up and it's a story that's again reared its head quite heavily this year. And in my personal opinion, right, if you're at a club and you can raise the funds or you have the money incoming to pay a $430,000 salary cap, good on you. Absolutely. That's clubs work. Um, I would have killed for the club I was involved in to be able to raise that amount of money. So I do know a lot of clubs, uh, a lot of people will shit on the big, the successful clubs that have managed to get that money, get that money coming in because they're successful and either they buy flags every year because they spend the max of their salary cap. Salary cap's there for a reason. If if their club can manage to, s- to spend that money, why shouldn't they? Nah, that's that's probably um, Aussies as a whole, isn't it? We we uh, tall poppy syndrome. You know, you, you want to tear down the t- you, you know people that are doing better than you, and you see a club that's wildly successful doing well, and um, you know you want to shit on them. But you know, us at Sandown, we would look up to clubs like Coraline Cobras who. Well, we're doing really well. We're raising a lot of money. Have some great fundraising things they're able to do to sustain their club and and not only their club but um, 
Terry Dillon, who goes on to help other clubs to to try and emulate the success they've they have, and and he's tried to help out many local footy clubs to try and raise money and and emulate that. Fortunately, it doesn't work for everyone, but you know, and I wish I wish I was able to have some of the success raise some money like they were. And that's the other thing that <clears throat> you know, the the amount of work that goes into raising the money to spend the money is important as well. Like you can have someone come in and be a money man, but and that money's still going to be coming from within the community itself. So let's jump on to this uh, point system, right? So we want to start with what a six-pointer is or what a one-pointer is and work our way up or down. I'll go, go from six. All right. So a six-pointer. So six points category is an AFL player. Played at least one AFL game in any of the current or previous three seasons. Find it pretty hard pressed to find an AFL player that's played a game in that season. <laughs> that season's corner played local footy a couple of weeks later, but it has happened. Um, five points, state league tier one. So VFL, Waffle or Sandful. Played at least five senior games with VFL, Waffle or Sandful in any of the current previous three seasons. Now that's the uh, that's the that's the one that I reckon catches a lot of local clubs out because you have players, especially in Victoria, that maybe say are on Box Hill Hawks list, but then aligned with their local a local club that's not a home club. So it might be say play Box Hill aligned to say South Croydon, but their junior club is Vermont. So that being a South Croydon, that all of a sudden makes them a five-pointer if they've played games. You'd be absolutely hard-pressed if you pick them up as a four-pointer or whatever they are. When you pick them up, they've never played VFL. They then play really well and go play VFL for three games and then get dropped back to you. That's That would hurt your points-wise. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, but I think they have to be five-pointers. They have to be yeah. considered that when they're... If, if they're tr- playing VFL... They obviously got ambitions of trying to make it to the AFL as well. Like so, they're obviously talented players, and you can't be getting them for free. No. So category four, which is four points, which is NAB League um, or State League Tier Two, so Tasmania. So NAB League, which is the uh, old TAC Cups for under 18s, played at least five NAB League games in any of the current or previous three seasons. And then the State League 2 is the same as uh, the, VF, the VFL level. So played at least five senior games in any of the current or previous three seasons. Now, the NAB League one, I find strange that that's four points. But not because it shouldn't. Be, it should be lower, but there's an argument that it could be lower, it could be higher. Because... Especially over the last past three seasons, like you could, as you're fully aware, when it comes to those leagues, you can have actual genuine superstars play in NAB league, but then you can also have blokes that are just tall. Yeah. So I don't really know. How, and the three seasons are a bit strange. You have a bloke that comes out of NAB league, he's played, say, got picked up by, say, Stingrays. Played first five years, five games as an underage player. They've then worked out, maybe you're not really much chopped for us. He then holds on to four points for three more years. Yeah. 
so that, that's where the this point system is need to be refined a little bit, I think. But if you're good enough to get considered and even get onto a NAB list to begin with, you're probably deserved to be a four-point player. Um, is it three years you should hold that for if you failed at it and then, you know, probably not? I think it, it should be, in my opinion, it should probably maybe should be you're a four-pointer while you're at NAB League and then potentially a year after. I do, I do understand how, how this is structured, though, because it's so much easier. At least it's not confusing. It's simple. You've played yeah, NAB yeah. League five games. Uh, category three, three points. Senior community player. Played the same or more senior than reserves games in total over the current and previous three seasons and includes interstate community leagues, including the Northern Territory. Uh, transferred junior. This is one I actually didn't realise was three points. Transferred junior, player recruited from an under-19s or younger competition and does not meet the Category 1 home club definition. Yeah, see, that one's to, I guess, encourage loyalty to your club, isn't it? So that if you're going to swap clubs from your junior club and go elsewhere, you, you're going to be three points. If you stay at the club you're playing, you under-18s, under-19s, that you'll, be only, you'll stay at one point, won't you? Um, and I, I like that one. Yeah, I think that's good. I it wasn't until I was reading through this the other day. I was like, oh, it's actually didn't realize that juniors was such a big thing, and it does stop. It stops clubs from going out and poaching the best under eighteen players and building a team up from underneath. Like, I think that's good. And then um, the senior community player, no issue there. It makes sense. You've played at a high level, three points. Uh, category two. Which is this? Is, I find this one strange. Development community player. So if you've played more reserve games than senior games in total over the current and previous three seasons at community level. So if you've played reserves for, say, you've been at a club and you've played fifty games, and you've played forty-seven reserves games and three senior games, and then. And I'm going to use the worst case scenario. The first three games you played were senior games, and like, oh, you're actually not that good. You then play 47 reserves games. You then change clubs to try and play seniors. You become a two pointer. Yeah, it's it's it sort of makes sense that's two points, but that could another argument that could be three, that could be one, like depending on where you're going. Yeah, I mean, it, there could be a huge difference between a bloke who's missing out on a senior game in Div One mm. than a bloke who's who's then going to play. Div four seniors, yeah. You know, there's there's blokes that playing division four anywhere seniors wouldn't even get a resi's game in division one, yeah, at all. Wouldn't even you know wouldn't even get looked at whatsoever. So if you're coming coming from up going back down, you probably shouldn't be three four three or four points. Yeah. It's but again, it's one of those ones. It's black and white, easy done. So then the one pointer. This is the one where. Clubs can do it, and they can bring back. And this is where a lot of clubs will probably pay overs for their AFL homegrown talent to bring them back because they are such a low point. So, one point home player played forty or more games over a minimum three seasons at the club or aligned junior club up to and including under seventeen competition. 
player who has played a minimum of eight, five games in each of the five five consecutive seasons for the club or a line junior club up to and including under-19s. Player who has only played at that club or a line junior club. Player who hasn't played competitive football in the previous 36 months. So what that says to me... <coughs> um, so obviously, if you haven't left the club... So, you know, um, I think... Was it Nathan Jones from Melbourne? Mount Eliza boy, played AFL, went back to Mount Eliza, comes as a one-pointer. I find it strange that you can play 40 games for your junior club, go play somewhere else, might be one of the best players in the country, not AFL level, then come back to your home club and you're only one point. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's that, that real grey area one, isn't it? I mean, it's good. I mean, the whole point of that is to try and get your homegrown talent to stay yeah. and come back to your club. It's just strange where you could spend, you know, uh, what is it, Gee, three days. You, know, you, you could play nines, tens, 11s, leave there, okay, play 12s, 13s, 14s, 15s, 16s, 10 years of senior footy somewhere else, but then come back to that club as a one-pointer. Yeah. That's sort of where it comes like, oh, okay, it's, it's good. I, got it. I don't mind. I think I think the home player rule is a good one to have in, especially for the, the ex-AFL players coming back in. But, yeah, they only have to play 40 games. So what's that, you know? Like, in reality, 40 games, as you think about it, at junior level is actually quite a fair bit because you're sort of only playing 14 to 16 games at junior level a season without finals. So, so it's, it's actually three, four seasons. So yeah. Actually, yeah, okay. So what are your thoughts on uh, how we work the points? Man, I think the points cap is, what, about 44 for most leagues, I think? Yeah, it's around that 45, yeah, something like that, 44. So you only need... A couple one six pointer and a couple of fives and fours, and you're in uh, all sorts of stuff trying to fill your team. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of clubs probably get stuck is they just try and recruit the best players they can, not accounting for the points whatsoever until they're then going to put in their team sheet and go, oh shit, hold on, we're we're gonna hit the cap here. Like, so um, yeah, I, I know there's probably some clubs that have. Come close to going over that points cap in, in recent seasons. So there's actually I forgot to scroll down there because there's actually um, additional points that can be picked up as well. So additional penalty player points, as it's referred to, additional one point if transferring from another community club and we've competed against their immediate former club. Uh, does not include category two development community players. So if you played reserves, no issue. Metropolitan leagues and regions may increase this to additional two-player points subject to approval by AFL Victoria. So if you're going from, say, let's go Noble Park to Roville, um, but maybe Roville's your junior club, you're still going to pick up an extra point. I think that's good. I think that sort of keeps clubs from trying to poach from within their league to try and strengthen themselves and weaken another one. Uh, additional one point is transferring from a club located in a premier competition to a club in a non-premier competition. Yeah, okay. Does not apply to Category 3 transfer junior, Category 5 state league player. That's a strange one. So that's, that's uh, if you're playing resis up in, you know, yeah. Eastern Premier, you can't go back to Div 4 yeah. without copping an extra point. Yeah, I, that I, makes sense actually, because otherwise clubs would actually just try and get those players in and go. Okay. Uh, additional one point. Now this is the one where I reckon it could catch a lot of players out, a lot of clubs out. 
if registered at three or more different community clubs in the current or previous two seasons. <laughs> Does not include players moving on permit, e.g. VFL, VFL NAB League, um, or local interchange agreement. Um, yeah, so that's... Well, that's an interesting one because I reckon that there's quite a fair few players that travel up north that be playing under permits to go up Darwin, up in uh, some of these comps that get played. Doesn't through. include that. So it's got, sorry, does not include players moving on permit, e.g. Yeah, yeah no, so that's oh, what I'm saying. So, so there'd be guys that are playing down here, decent level footy, get recruited to go up north to play you know, a handful of games to qualify for finals and play finals up north, and they're doing that all on a permit and then come back down here. And, then, you know, that's a pretty decent comp up there um, and get some high-profile recruits, and then you could come back down and you're still only – you haven't accumulated any points from playing in that that competition. So that's interesting. Mm. Then the – so that's the accumulation of extra points, and then you can – Obviously, the deduction for player points. So, deduct one point for each season of service to the club. Minimum five senior or reserve games per season, even if not in consecutive years, until the player reaches one point. Note, if the player is eligible for underage football at that club, it must play five senior games to meet the criteria for a year of service. Okay, so that means that if a kid comes into your club as a under seventeen year old, but playing senior for sixteen year old, but playing senior footy, they've that one year doesn't count for their. Is that right? So yeah, if, so if it's if you're recruiting a guy to let's say under nineteens, mm. and you recruit him as a then when he goes to play seniors. He'd, he'd have the points. Yeah, he has to have played five senior games <laughs> at that year. Yeah, okay, he makes sense. He would lose a point. Yeah. yeah. And then the definition of junior aligned clubs, pretty self-explanatory, where seniors and juniors exist under the same constitution or where there is a random, random, I don't know, of understanding in place between standalone senior and junior clubs as approved by leagues. Um so there's also a couple of notes on this thing. So note, Metro Leagues and Region may reassess an individual player points classification where it is deemed inappropriate based on playing history or where a player qualifies in more than one category based on their playing history in the previous three seasons. The category with the highest points will apply, hence the flow chart. So it means that no real way of dodging it. So I think, I mean, that the points could be refined a bit more to sort of make it a bit easier, a bit better. But I think, realistically, if you're reading that for the first time, makes complete sense. There's no confusing words. It's pretty straightforward to the point and very understandable. So for a club, I feel like if a club was turned around and say, oh, I didn't quite understand how this point system, how that's only three points, well, oh, you should read it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it's – the interesting one is the, the – XAFL players, yeah. because they can they come across as six points to their first club they go to, and let's say they go to Yarrawonga and they play in a couple of flags up in Yarrawonga, play for a couple of years, they're losing points each year. They probably still should be a six pointer if they go somewhere else, 
You know what I mean? But they're going to lose points just because they've stayed. And let's be honest, some of these AFL players, they might be um, signed to one club and play the eight games or whatever it is to that one club, but then they're playing every second game somewhere else as a cashier and doing their sportsman's night. So they're still getting around and playing a lot of other footy on permits and stuff as well. So that's that's where it's... Yeah, I feel like the AFL player ones also... There's such a wide... You you can have an AFL player that comes out the system at 35, 36, who's, for lack of a better word... Lack of a better word, past it, right? Yep. Or you could have a bloke that left AFL on his own core, just didn't want to play AFL. Like Kyle Martin did from I think he went left Collingwood at twenty three. They're the same points. Yeah. Like you got a forty year old or a twenty two year old that are the same points. Like I do understand that normally, if you're playing AFL, you're playing up until you get delisted, and if you're Leaving AFL at 35-40, you've had a good year and you've probably started the game compared to Blake being delisted at three uh, at 23. Yeah, and I, I, it's um, it's almost like each player needs to be assessed on their own uh, yeah. individual careers, isn't it? Like, like you said, you could have a guy who's made it to the AFL, he's been on an AFL list for three, four, five years, he's played a handful of senior games but he's in and out of the team. Or you could have a guy like Favola who, you know, not by his choice, he was sort of booted out of the league a little bit prematurely. He's gone on to play in some local footy grand finals and absolutely dominate local footy. Um, he's not comparable to uh, some young kid that didn't make it in the AFL. Yeah. I think I have a slight feeling that this subject matter – from October to April every year, it's just going to be something that comes up and now they've got the compliance managers, they call it, that come in and check the books of all the premiership clubs, and which is fine, but the issue with only checking the premiership clubs is that you could have clubs that are just behind them doing worse things that don't get looked at. But yeah. you, how do you think is, how do you get every single club in the state, look that you can't. It's just impossible. Ah, it's impossible. And there's, you know, there's <laughs> how many different teams across all these leagues. It's it's a pretty huge task to even consider. Um, but it's also, it's not in the league's best interest. No, to you know, to put the money towards these kind of things and try and you know, police every little thing. Like, there's got to be some level of. Uh, you know, like respect and, and as as somebody running a club, just some like pride in playing fair and actually, you know, winning a, a flag on your own merits and um, doing the right things. Um, you know, it's always disappointing when you, you see a team that wins a flag because they've recruited a handful of players and then the very next year those players are all gone. Uh, like that, that to me, that the flag almost becomes meaningless, doesn't it? It can do, yeah. Yeah, and you, we've seen it time in, time out where that's happened, and 
if you're playing local footy and you know your goal is to win flags, like anyone that's playing footy, any any sport, you want to win a flag, a championship, or whatever your sport calls it. If you're if you're going to win a flag and then disappear off into the wilderness and never be, you're not going to rock up to the ten year reunion, the twenty year reunion. Then what is the bloody point in it? Exactly right. Um, and you can sit there and say that it's local footy. It's not all about you don't play for sheep stations. I get that at a certain level, but at the same time, when you're playing at the highest level for your club, you learn your team being successful to have sponsorship money coming in, your gate and your bar revenue on a Saturday because you can guarantee that if you're – yes, you're going to have your, your regulars that always come down, but if your team's being successful and winning games and on the verge of a premiership, more people from the local community are going to get involved Then you've got – you know, think about an extra four weeks of nights at the club. You win a premiership, your best and fairest night becomes even bigger and better. Like, there's a lot of things that winning a premiership does for a local club. Yeah. And that's the, clubs will spend the money because they know they can get that money back if they're successful. And the same as any, any sporting club at the professional level. When they're successful, more money comes in because more people are paying to go watch them. Like, look at Melbourne. Melbourne. Yes, Melbourne had a lot of MCC, a lot of MCC members, but when they were probably one of the worst teams ever. No one was rocking up. They all of a sudden start becoming good. Yeah. Crowd starts rocking up. It's, it's, and it's not a... A lot of people will knock... Would knock and say, oh, you're not a real fan if you, you know, you're, not, you're not going to games when they're losing. It's like, well, so what? You know, it's, it's nature. It's a thing. You, if your team's not going too well, you get this heart and it becomes hard. Your mental health suffers because you're like, why would I want to go waste... Okay, you might have a membership, and that's the thing. You've got a membership. You're paying money to that club regardless, but you don't want to spend $100 getting in and out of a city to watch your team get beat by 100 points. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we'll probably, before we wrap this one up, speaking of <laughs> salary caps and points, um, a couple of clubs I say, I, I, I want to know if you think this is a piss take or if these clubs are being serious about this and what your thoughts are. Local clubs... Announcing they've signed players on four to five year deals. Yeah, <laughs> like, um, yeah, it's, it's a pretty old one. Um, my theory, my theory is, it's surely a club with a bit of sense of humour because of what was, what's happening in the media with all these big clubs and going, oh, let's just muck around and put this bike out for five years for a bit of a laugh. Like we, I work in the social media circle on clubs and. That's something that I would be. Like, let's do it. As a thought, let's get it out. Let's get a little bit of a laugh going about it within the within the the group. But there's also bit part of, of me of that clickbait. there's also part of me that thinks it could be serious. Yeah, uh, mate, good on them. If if a bloke is willing to say, you know what, I will sign on for five years and stay at this club. Good. Problem good is though, them. as you know, mate, local footy contracts aren't. Nah, they're not ironclad. They're, they're, yeah. um, blokes that sign on for one year you can, just, you know. Four or five games in, go stuff here and go elsewhere. But yeah, like I said, if it's done with a bit of sense of humour, but also good luck to them. I hope. I mm. uh, hope some of these guys follow through and 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 stay on at these clubs for four or five years. And because that's it's all for the better of the game. Yeah. If if you do have guys that are willing to come to your club and say, you know what, I'm going to commit three, let's say it's three, not even five, three years, I'm going to commit because I want to win a flag with this boot bunch of guys with this coach and at this team that's that's for the better of local footy to me and the other thing with that right okay so the club puts up a sign of play we'll go three years right so we'll go three years 
Signed this player for three years. People on the outside, why are you announcing three-year contracts? What a joke this is. Flip it around. Their club has signed a bloke back for three years. They'd be commenting on that same Facebook post being like, oh, look at this. We've signed this great dude. He's skilled for three years. We're going to get going. Like, And that's – people will – and people find any reason to pot shot local clubs that aren't theirs. Let's be honest. 100%. And so I've got a list here of all these uh, players that are, uh, you know, recruited to different clubs. And the one thing that disappoints me when you read through this list and they're listing all the other clubs that they've played at, like, to me, that's disappointing when you're, oh, yeah, we've recruited this great guy. Like, he's an unreal player, but he's played at five different clubs in the last five years. So as a supporter of that club, I'm not going, oh, this is going to be amazing. We got, we've just signed such and such. He's going to be our saviour. Well, he might be lucky to do a year with us, and then he'll piss off somewhere else. The only time I feel like if you're bringing, if you, uh, from a club's point, a supporter's point of view of a club, you're saying, okay, this bloke's played at five different clubs for five years. If you know that having that bloke come in, he's only going to be there for probably that one season, is probably the missing piece to you winning a premiership. That's yeah. about the only... But then again, comes the thing. Is he going to rock up to the reunions? Is he going to put the money back into the club? Probably not. But again, I, I can't knock a bloke for going... I'm making money playing footy. Like, it's work at the end of the day. Yeah, and that's it. It's it. Everyone's doing it for their own reasons. I just like, I'm old school. I like a bit of loyalty to a club, but, you know, I, I like to see guys that uh, play a career and, you know, if, a disappointing one is when you see a bloke's one of best and fairest and then he's gone to another club. Like, yeah, that's that's sort of disappointing. You, you think if you've... Especially yeah. if the team's doing well. If you win a flag and a best and fairest, then why wouldn't you want to go again? And I know, you know, one of the biggest local footy stars in to our area has been Mark Holt. Yeah. The guy's kicked 1,500-plus goals for Cranbourne. He's then ended up going and play for a couple other teams, but that's always been at Cranbourne. Well, he went, he went for Cranbourne, went to Kringle, played a season at Kringle, come back to Cranbourne, and now he's gone to Langlang. But he's also... Quite knocking on forty. Uh, that's the other. Oh, thing. He owes Cranbourne absolutely nothing. Like he's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that guy has probably had offers his whole career yes. from other clubs. Probably, you know, when you're when you're kicked 500 goals in a few years, you're gonna get get the offers coming to him. But he stuck around a cranny. Yeah, he then went off to Kringle and and whatever. But you know, he's been a one of the the biggest stars of local footy. There's not too many other blokes that have kicked more goals than him. Um, and that's the other thing as well when you talk about these blokes signing or staying, bring a premiership or whatever. If it's literally one and done, they're out. You're just like, come on, mate. But if it's a bloke that, you know, he's been at the club for six, seven years, just feeling like a car, need a bit of a change. It, and the thing that a lot of people don't even take into account is a bloke could just simply be moving. Yeah. A bloke could simply be moving from. Let's go from, um, say, Keelor could be moving to Lang Warren. Well, you're probably not going to stay playing a Keelor, are you? <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, I reckon that might wrap us up for this episode, mate. Uh, we've absolutely just covered the absolute crap out of this. And uh, I had a few other things I wanted to get to in this episode, but they might wait for maybe next week or the week after. But, uh, Rifty, thanks for joining me again, mate. And we'll see you on the next episode of Talking Grassroots. Remember, it comes out every Thursday. Get it from wherever you find your podcast, podcast Spotify, watch it on YouTube, tell your mates about it, and that. Uh, can't look, look forward to another good year of local footy. Thank you.